The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So as we work at settling our minds in meditation, as we cultivate concentration and mindfulness, we come back to our breath, we notice we're pulled away, we may be able to be mindful of what we're pulled away to. We may find our mind getting pulled out into thoughts around what we're pulled away to. The practice of settling the mind is challenging for us. The habit of our mind is to kind of disperse, to go out, to uh, connect with things that our mind thinks are interesting. <laughs> And so it's not so easy to come into settledness, collectedness, stillness in our minds. So we've been exploring this aspect of concentration, the aspect of our uh, mindfulness practice that is this settling, stillness, unification, collectedness of mind. And... Last week I started talking a little bit about the things that get in the way of that collectedness. There's five basic energies that get in the way of that collected mind. This kind of going out to sense experience, thinking that sense experience is going to be some, may bring us pleasure and that that's where happiness will be found. That gets in the way of our settling the mind. Ill will, not liking things that are out there, gets in the way. Sleepiness, dullness gets in the way. Restless mind, the mind is feeling jumping all over the place, gets in the way of this settled, collected mind. And doubt gets in the way. So today I'd like to explore the, um, the first one of these, the, the way our minds goes out to our senses, the, the term for these five is hindrances. The Pali term can literally also simply mean covering, which may be a, a gentler term in a way. But the, the basic understanding is that these five energies obstruct or get in the way or cover our ability to kind of settle. I like the term covering in a way because it implies that there's something kind of present that is, um, when it's removed, when that covering is removed, that there's a kind of perhaps a natural settling that happens when these energies fall away. And that once these energies fall away, the mind can naturally move into a collected unification of mind. And essentially it is these energies going out that keep the mind from being collected. And so once those coverings are removed, there's this natural settling. And so this first one, the, uh, the covering, the hindrance of sense desire, this is one that there's sometimes some um, charge about in our... Um, is as we learn, okay, sense desire gets in the way of meditation. Some of us rebel a little bit. It's like, well, that's how that's how I feel good. You know, what's what's the problem with feeling good in that way? So I'd like to explore this a little bit with you because there's a um, there's a way of understanding this. There's a way of kind of reframing, transforming our understanding of sense desire that will really help us to come into it more settledness and collectedness. So the Pali term for this hindrance, this covering, is kama chanda. Now kama basically means body or senses. Uh, You might know that term from um, uh, the Kama Sutra. There's, it's a, it's a, a sutra about the body, and there's a kind of, I think in Indian text, there's the, you know, the, um, the, the pleasure of the body 
um, being in exploration. So kama basically means body, field of the body. And the, ch- the term chanda means desire or intention towards. It's actually a pretty neutral term, this, this term for desire. Often when we talk about desire in uh, the Buddhist context, we're talking about this craving or wanting or pull towards something, uh, a neediness about something. That term, the Pali term, is tanha, which literally means thirst. So there's that sense that you know, when you're thirsty, when you're really thirsty, there's this just almost biological sense that that thirst needs to be satisfied. And so that's the, the, the often the term that is translated as desire is that term tanha. But this term is more of a neutral term, chanda. This term chanda is, is used at times to refer to the beautiful intention towards spiritual practice that we, um, there are wholesome desires that kind of motivate us in our lives. And so this term chanda is a little more neutral in its meaning. But still, the pointing here is that desire, intention towards, the term chanda is also translated as intention sometimes, just as uh, you know, movement towards. Uh, so the, the, this movement towards... Um, Sense, the sense world gets in our way of settling the mind down. So why is that? Why should that get in the way? Partly, it gets in the way because it hooks into our kind of habitual or conditioned, I think it's really conditioned, conditioned from the time we're really young, that... Um, when we have pleasure at the senses, and the senses here refers to our five physical senses, seeing, smelling, hearing, tasting, touching. So when we have pleasure at the physical sense, in the physical sense realm, it feels good, we like it, and we've learned through our, you know, from the time we were very young, from the time we were babies, we've learned we like that physical pleasure. And that... Um, we get happy when we have that physical pleasure. And so there's this connection that we make between happiness and physical pleasure. And that connection gets very tightly linked in our habits and our patterns. And we come to believe through our lives that having physical pleasure is the way to be happy. That there's not much other way to find happiness other than to construct a world in which I feel good. So to get to the place where the mind settles internally, where the mind is willing to settle with the experience of the breath, to not kind of go out and follow after sense pleasure. We, we need to let go a little bit of that pull. We need to let go of that pull towards thinking that pleasure in the sense realm is where it's at. Because in our um, meditation, what happens is that we begin to move towards the, the pleasure of Concentration, the pleasure of settledness, the pleasure of a collected, unified mind. So it's not pleasure that's the problem here. It's the notion of where and how pleasure, happiness, where happiness is connected to. And we misinterpret, we misunderstand happiness as being connected in in the world of our physical senses that that's the only place that physical that, that happiness is really found. We we've learned a lot of that, of course, over our lives. We've we've found ourselves finding happiness in the physical world of pleasure, and yet the um, 
the path of our spiritual lives is asking us to go into looking more deeply in our hearts and minds about where a perhaps truer kind of happiness, a deeper kind of happiness can be found. And that pleasure of the collected mind and the wisdom that can come with that collected mind is our avenue towards a deeper kind of happiness, a truer kind of happiness. And there's pleasure along the way in that movement. Concentration itself actually feels really good once we actually let go of that pull outward and we begin to find ourselves able to settle, to connect with our inner experience without thinking about it, getting dispersed around it, but rather, who here, this moment, this moment. Whether we're settling on one experience like the breath or simply allowing ourselves to connect moment to moment to kind of the changing nature of experience without kind of getting lost in that flow of experience. The, um, that collected mind yields a pleasure that is not physical but is mental. And so that movement more towards that mental pleasure of concentration, the mental pleasure of a collected and unified mind, we have to let go of the dispersing of our minds. So pleasure itself is not a problem. And this to me also points to the, um, you know, sometimes when we talk about sense pleasure or you know, desire, wanting, there can kind of be a sense that there's a moral judgment happening. Sense pleasure is bad, somehow. And that's not what is being pointed to here. There's much more of a sense that this is practical. You know, there's actually much better sense pleasure, there's much better pleasure to be had. This collected and unified mind is a more kind of deeply satisfying kind of pleasure. And once the mind begins to get, to, to get a taste of that, it's, it begins to be willing to let go of the movement outwards towards our sense, the sense world. It's more willing to move inward. So it's not so much a, a, a moral judgment, it's really a practical exploration that if we find ourselves caught in the desiring of pleasure in the senses, we're essentially missing out on a deeper kind of settledness and happiness that's possible. The other thing to understand about the happiness of sense pleasure is that it's, um, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of doomed in a way, you know, it's, If we're looking for happiness by trying to construct a world in which we're feeling only pleasure, good luck. You know, it's not, it's not, it, we can do it for little bits at a time. You know, we can do it for even strings of a few days sometimes. Although if you look at those few days, you'll see you actually go in and out of that sense pleasure, the actual sense pleasure. We can construct things for a little while to be, oh, this feels good, this, this is the way it should be. But uh, we see, actually, that well, what, what seems to happen to us is that we believe that we should be able to create that world where we always have sense pleasure. And if we don't manage to do that, Somehow we're to blame. We're at fault. It's our problem. We failed somehow. And you know, it is just the nature of sense pleasure. It comes and goes. It is not possible for anyone to have only pleasant sense experience in their lives. And so it's a little bit of a leap of faith for us to let go of sense pleasure because we found so much happiness in our lives in that realm. It's, it's a little hard for us to let go of that sense pleasure and move towards something that's maybe not so familiar or not so easily accessible, the kind of pleasure of concentration. 
it, it's harder for us, it's, it's hard for us, it can be hard for us to say, yes, that's what I'm going to move towards if we don't really have a taste of it. So at first it may take a little bit of a leap of faith to begin to let go of sense pleasure. And actually letting go of it is, um, you know, in terms of what, what the Buddha suggested, he didn't actually say you need to let... Well, he did, he did say let go of sense pleasure. It will help you. But he didn't say just let go of sense pleasure. He actually gave us some, some steps. He said, you know, yeah, it's difficult. We have to actually investigate, explore what it is about sense pleasure. And so he, he, he offered a kind of three-step um, teaching to help us understand sense pleasure and begin to transform our relationship to it. So he, he said the first step, he said, is first of all, understand sense pleasure. Really get to know it well. What is sense pleasure? You know, we, we have this idea in this teaching, hearing the teaching, let go of sense pleasure. It's like, what? I'm not supposed to want sense pleasure? Our movement towards sense pleasure is based in a misunderstanding about sense pleasure. It's based in confusion. It's based in delusion. And the Buddha wants to help us to understand that confusion, that delusion we have around sense pleasure, where the happiness of sense pleasure is. And he says the first thing we need to do is to actually look at what is gratifying about sense pleasure. So this is, this is I like this teaching because he, you know, he's acknowledging, yes, sense pleasure is gratifying. It feels good. He even said at one point, of all that is, um, uh, of all the pleasure that is to be found in the world, I've understood that and I've understood how gratifying it is. So this exploration, what is the gratification around sense pleasure? So what, what is it? First of all, there's the sense, sense pleasure itself. You know, there's the, the great taste, there's the, you know, the, the, the pleasant bodily experience that we have, the, you know, listening to lovely music or smelling lovely smells. It feels good. I mean, it's, there's, there's a pleasure there. There's actually a pleasure there. And that's a part of the happiness. That's a, it's actually a really small part of the happiness when you start to look at it. But it is a piece of that happiness. You know, it doesn't have to have anything to do with wanting, you know. I remember the first time I put the fruit, the mangosteen, in my mouth. Have any of you had mangosteen? It is like the most amazing fruit I've ever tasted. I put this mangosteen in my mouth. I didn't know, I wasn't expecting anything. It's like, wow. Oh my gosh, that is so good. It is so much pleasure. You know, for that, like, you know, five seconds of that taste in the mouth, it's like, wow, that is really good. Um, so there, you know, it doesn't have to be connected with wanting, although that experience of that much pleasure tends to produce wanting. More of that, please. I'll have more of that. That was really good. So that that, you know, when we experience that kind of sense pleasure, it tends to produce that desire for more of it. So that's, that's another aspect of um, why is something gratifying? That we, um, we have ideas in our minds about what we want, it's like, yeah, that, that would be good. I'll get, I, I want that. And, you know, if I can go to the store and buy mangosteens, which I can't do here, apparently, it's hard, they're hard to find here, then I feel good about that. And so there's something, too, that comes with this gratification that is around my ability to control the world. So my ability to get what I want, that's another piece of this gratification, I've got that sense of control. That feels good. Another piece of the gratification, if you begin to look at this, is um, the idea in our mind that something will be nice in the future. 
you know, we, we uh, project into the future. The anticipation, right? There's the sense of anticipation. That's another part of the gratification. This, this notion of, oh yeah, that's going to feel so good when I get it. So that's another piece of what's happening. Now that has nothing to do with the sense pleasure itself. That's all in the mind. It's completely mental, that anticipation. We may or may not get the thing. But that anticipation piece, that's another piece. So that, that notion of anticipation is pleasant, the sense of control around sense pleasure, that feels good. So all of this is part of what goes on around the gratification. Another piece that is very interesting to look at as we explore um, this gratification, and this one is a little harder to see, but when there is wanting involved, when we um, have that sense of, yes, I really want that thing, that wanting itself is often tied up with the anticipation. It's tied up with the sense of control. So the wanting is kind of hooked into some of those pieces of gratification that feel mm, good somehow. So the want, you know, the, the I want that thing, and I'm going to be able to control my environment so that I can get it, and there's a sense of anticipation that comes into play. And so the wanting itself is not really seen for what it is, which is, when we actually turn and look at wanting, it's an unpleasant experience. Wanting itself creates a sense of dissatisfaction. It creates a sense of lack. It creates a sense that things are off slightly, or maybe a lot. It depends. So there's that wanting that... um, is kind of masked in a way. That unpleasantness of wanting is masked by the anticipation, the sense of control, the sense of things are going to be so great. We're projected into the future. We're not really here and now noticing what's happening here and now, which is this feeling of wanting. We're in our minds thinking about the future, thinking about how great it's going to be. So we are kind of tumbling forward. We're not really here in the present moment. And if we are, if we do turn towards that feeling of wanting, we see that um, it doesn't feel good. And this is kind of the driver, in a way. That, that feeling of lack, that feeling of something's a little off or a lot off, is the kind of, one of the major propelling forces for why we do things we have learned that when I get what I want, yes, I get the happiness of having what I want. But the other thing that happens that we don't really notice so much is that we get the happiness of the wanting going away. Wanting itself is not a pleasant experience. And when you really begin to observe the gratification of sense pleasure, you see the vast majority of it has nothing to do with the actual sense pleasure. There's a little bit of it that participates there. But the vast majority of the pleasure we get when we get something that we want is that for a few moments, that feeling of lack goes away. That wanting goes away. That feeling of something's off goes away. That feels really good when that wanting goes away. And we have connected the fact of that wanting going away to the having of the thing. And there becomes almost an addictive cycle for us. In order to get what I want, I mean, in order to be happy, I need to get what I want. So we have that relationship with our wanting. That in order for this wanting to go away, I need to get what I want. That's how happiness will come. So this this recognition around the release of the wanting being a large part of the gratification of sense pleasure is a really crucial understanding. 
And again, this is a mental release, this release from the wanting. It has nothing to do with the, the pleasure itself. As you can begin to see, if you are willing from time to time to ride out wanting, to not follow through on that urge, I need to have that thing. Now explore this sometimes with something simple, like the urge for ice cream or the urge for a latte, the urge for you know, some kind of momentary sense pleasure. See if you can feel the wanting. Recognize the unpleasantness of that wanting. Recognize the offness feeling, that urge to go towards that thing that would give you that sense pleasure. And see if you can ride out that wanting. See what happens when the wanting goes away. Often in this kind of exploration in our daily lives, what we see is that we basically forget about the wanting. You know, that we don't really see the wanting go away, but we forget about it. We get involved with something else, and that wanting of that latte or that piece of chocolate, it's like in the past, so it's not, it's not there anymore. So we don't necessarily see the wanting go away. But if we can actually see it, and this is an exploration that we can make in our meditation at times. And you might, you might play with this um, if you have the desire to, uh, to scratch an itch or something. A little bit of a wanting around scratching an itch. You know, there's, there's a little bit of the wanting to get rid of the unpleasant, but then there's the pleasant feeling of the scratching too that we're going for. If you can see or watch that wanting... You may see from time to time in being with that wanting, it will drop from time to time. It will go away. It will, it will, it will abate. And then what is that actual itch? Is it, is it actually a problem that there's that itch there when the wanting to scratch it goes away? You can play with that. There have been times in my practice when I've been exploring this wanting and I've actually seen the wanting stop, the wanting let go, it feels like being released from a vice grip. It feels so good to have that letting go. And it doesn't take having the thing that I wanted to get that release. So in our exploration around gratification with sense pleasure, we begin to actually see, wow, you know, that the sense pleasure itself is actually pretty fleeting. You know, the taste of the mangosteen in the mouth lasts seconds at most. I can't keep eating mangosteen all day long, so I have to stop sometime. So that the, the physical pleasure itself is pretty fleeting. So much more of our gratification around sense pleasure has to do with our relationship to it. And so exploring that, looking at that, as we explore that relationship, we begin to understand something, in particular around this wanting, we begin to understand that there are some downfalls of this habit of going towards sense pleasure. The Buddha actually listed a lot of them. I, I, collected, I collected some of these downfalls into a list. and I, This is actually from a sutta, but um, I've revised the language to make it a little bit more current. In the pursuit of sense pleasure, we, um, we work long hours. We contort our bodies over computers, endure meetings and tedium, in the pursuit of acquiring sense pleasure, money to use to buy a bigger house, a nicer car, a cooler cell phone, nicer food, go out to dinners, go to concerts. So in the pursuit of pleasure, we suffer. So just noticing that. If we try to get things and we don't succeed, we feel like a failure. If we get things and we succeed in getting them, then we worry about keeping them. We have a sense of fear around, am I going to be able to keep this? 
So those are all kind of personal things. And then he points out some of the other um, downfalls of sense pleasure that not everyone, I mean, that, that aren't, aren't universal, but end up in our society. Our society suffers from this habit because of wanting to have things, people break into other people's houses, they commit burglaries, rape, seduce people, invasion of other countries because of, of sense pleasure. You know, we, we have a great stake in the Middle East because of the addiction to the pleasure that's provided from oil. So there's, you know, there's that. And our whole culture is, is acting in. oppression, enslavement, all of this happens partly out of sense, out of the, the desire for sense pleasure. So not only our personal struggles, our personal suffering happens, but also there's a kind of a societal uh, addiction to sense pleasure. I mean, you see it on commercials. Commercials go right to that place of sense pleasure. So it's not... It's not simply that sense pleasure is this unalloyed good. You know, there are many other things that come along with it. We can struggle, suffer a lot in the movement towards sense pleasure and lose our connection to kind of deeper values, deeper meaning for us. In the, in the pursuit of pleasure, we can lose our connection with connectivity, with compassion, with love. The Buddha said that there's this misperception at times around sense pleasure. Um, Pleasure itself can happen. It comes and goes. Pleasure is not a problem. It will come and go. Our bodies are designed to have pleasure. Our bodies are designed to feel pain. So it's not the pleasure itself that's a problem. Again, it's, it's the way we relate to it. It's our understanding about it. So there's a, um, a kind of a vivid analogy. Let's see if I can find this. That the Buddha offers. He said, he, in, in the Buddha's day there were... Um, uh, a lot of lepers, and um, he points to this, and I think this one. There's 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 several different leper analogies he gives in terms of this misunderstanding about sense pleasure. But this one I think we can connect to. He says, suppose there were a leper with sores and blisters on his limbs, being devoured by worms scratching the scabs off the openings with his nails, cauterizing his body over a burning charcoal pit. The more he scratches the scabs and cauterizes his body, the more infected the opening of his wounds would become. And yet he would find a certain measure of satisfaction and enjoyment in scratching the wounds. So this is this is a kind of a... You know, we can all relate to this notion of scratching. You know, it's like there's, there's like if we get poison oak or some kind of, um, or even just a mosquito bite. While we're scratching, you know, it feels good. It's like, oh yeah, thank goodness, it, you know, that feels good. We stop scratching, and what happens? It's like the itch explodes. It's even worse, which leads us to want to scratch more which makes it even worse, which makes us want to scratch more, which then we end up having, you know, we, we end up tearing holes in our arms and getting um, wounds and infections. So the, you know, what our initial understanding of the pleasure is, you know, yes, it feels good to scratch, but it is not so helpful in the long run to scratch that itch. 
So, you know, this points to a couple pieces. And one is, I think, the short-sighted nature of our minds. That, that you know, having, going for sense pleasure is kind of like scratching that itch. You know, we, we get that momentary satisfaction of the, of the um, pleasure. And we get that hit of the letting go of the wanting. And it is really that hit of the letting go of the wanting, that wanting disappearing, that wanting going away, that is that propelling to get more sense pleasure because the, 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 the actual pleasure from the sense pleasure is so small. But that release from the wanting, that's a bigger release. So the, uh, that's, that's where the hook is. That's why we keep going for that just couple seconds of sense pleasure because of that letting go of the wanting. So we, we begin as we explore sense pleasure to understand this is the second part of the Buddha's three-part instruction. Understanding the danger of sense pleasure. How does it hook us when we follow that wanting? How does it hook us into this cycle? This like almost addictive pattern of wanting to have that, letting go of that wanting, having that wanting release by getting the next hit of pleasure. It, it, it puts us into that very short-sighted mode of get that couple next seconds of pleasure. Oh, get the next two, get the next three, get the next, get the next few moments of pleasure. All the while we are not seeing that there's a deeper happiness that's possible, that's not based in having, but is based in Letting go. So the um, the danger, a lot of the danger of sense pleasure, of of that movement towards sense pleasure, is this hook that we get into, this cycle of wanting, having, having the pleasure of the, the having and the letting go of the wanting that hooks us back into more wanting. And we get to this place where we think that that's the way to happiness. That, yeah, when I get what I want, it feels good. It's like, this is as good as it gets. That's what we think. This is as good as it gets. It doesn't occur to many of us until we meet something like the Buddhist teachings to actually say, well, what is this sense pleasure? How satisfying actually is it? His teaching is, how far does this gratification actually extend? Look at the gratification. Get to know it really well. How far does that gratification extend? And when are you hooked into the next thing? When is it that it's like, oh, that's great. And something else? (laughs) How far did that gratification actually extend? that really begins to point us to this danger, particularly around the wanting, and how that, it's just like we're hand over hand, you know, wanting, 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 more wanting, wanting. Satisfy that wanting, that's how I'll feel good. And not many of us would ever think of, well, let me look at this wanting. Let's see what happens if I just watch this wanting instead of acting on it. This was a brilliant piece the Buddha pointed at. Check that out. See what happens when the wanting goes away. There's actually a kind of a greater sense of satisfaction, a greater sense of happiness in that wanting going away. That's a pointing to the third aspect of the training. So the gratification, looking at how far the gratification extends, which leads us to understanding the danger of sense pleasure which is connected to this being hooked into this cycle of wanting, that addictive pattern around wanting. And it, I mean, it's like, it's, not, it's not, not like drug addiction, but it's, it's addiction to sugar, it's addiction to taste, it's addiction to pleasant feelings, it's ad- addiction, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's actually addiction to wanting, to, want, to satisfying wanting, that's what it is. It's addiction to satisfying wanting. And when we begin to recognize that's the danger of sense pleasure, it, it really hooks us into that, um, 
that addictive pattern around satisfying wanting. The escape is learning to turn towards the wanting. If you can see that wanting vanish, you have experienced the escape. As I said a little while ago, you know, it's like being released from a vice grip. There's a deeper pleasure, a deeper happiness that's not based in having things, but based in letting go. And this leads us into the um, kind of, we, we begin to understand the lesser nature of the happiness that comes with sense pleasure. And we begin to understand that there are actually much deeper, more profound, more satisfying happiness to be found when we let go of sense pleasure. As we let go of sense pleasure, we begin to find that we can settle into our hearts, into our minds. Find that stillness, that unification. We find the kind of the bliss, the joy, the happiness of the concentrated unified mind. That feels really good. That bliss, joy, of the unified mind can itself be addictive. We then get hooked to that (laughs) because this pattern of wanting, it's like, oh yeah, let go of that stuff. This is way better. I mean, it is a much nicer, it's a a much nicer uh, feeling. It's a much more pleasurable feeling, the pleasure of that unified mind than is the pleasure of a few moments of sense pleasure in which we're kind of like a rat on a cage, in a cage, you know, spinning our wheels, trying to get the next one, the next one, the next one. The, the pleasure of concentration is, is so much more deeply satisfying. And then we get hooked to that. And so that's, that's, that's not this hindrance. Because instead of being addicted essentially to sense the sense world, we're not hooked to sense pleasure. We get hooked to mental pleasure. And the teachings then move us more deeply to recognizing. And so it's kind of a step-by-step thing. You know, we learn how to let go of the addiction to sense pleasure by cultivating this inner world of pleasure. It's, a, it's, mo, it's so much more satisfying and um, true in a way. It feels so much more meaningful that it's, it becomes easier to let go of our tethers to the world when we touch that concentration, that bliss of concentration. And then the addiction to that concentration state it begins to point itself out to us as suffering when we find ourselves in a place of trying so hard to get back to that great meditation I had yesterday. What am I doing wrong? Why can't I do this? What, you know, what, what, what's wrong here? You know? and, and then we're, we're, suf- we're suffering and we're struggling. And this points to the next level where we actually have to let go of the wanting around even those states. This points to the, a deeper kind of happiness that comes from the, uh, the happiness of insight, the recognition that holding on to anything is going to create suffering. And in that, in that space of insight, It doesn't matter what's happening, whether there's pleasure, whether there's pain, whether there's neutral experience, wherever we are, the mind can be balanced, at ease, peaceful. And that is a deeper kind of happiness. And so it's kind of a staged process. We learn how to let go of the addiction to sense pleasure by cultivating this inner pleasure of concentration. And then we get to see that when we cling to that, when we want that, it's wanting that's our... uh, It's our habit. Our wanting is our habit. And when we um, uh, see how that wanting 
around even those states of concentration is causing us pain, we begin to learn, and that too, I need to let go of that wanting, too. And that leads us into insight. So the Buddha, the Buddha said, see if I can find this one. Um, Here it is. Having understood as they really are the origin, the passing away, the gratification, the danger, and the escape in the case of sensual pleasures, I abandoned craving for sensual pleasures. I removed the fever of sensual pleasures, and I dwell without thirst with a mind inwardly at peace. I see other people who are not free from lust for sensual pleasures, being devoured by craving for sensual pleasures, burning with the fever of sensual pleasures, indulging in sensual pleasures, and I do not envy them. Why is that? Because there's a delight apart from sensual pleasure, apart from unwholesome states, which surpasses even divine bliss. Divine bliss referring to the bliss of concentration. Since I, do not, since I take delight in that, I do not envy what is inferior. So the, uh, the movement, it's this staged movement. We learn how to let go of the more kind of grosser levels of uh, pleasure for more refined pleasure and yet more refined pleasure. So the pleasure is not the problem. <laughs> That's, I really want to, I mean, here it's like, there's a, a delight apart from sensual pleasures, apart from unwholesome states, which surpasses even divine bliss. Since I take delight in that, I do not envy what is inferior. This isn't the, the statement of somebody who's walking around miserable. It's not the statement of somebody who's frustrated or upset about not having what he wants. This guy's happy. And he's pointing this to us. He's pointing this to us. This is possible, he says, for us. And it takes a leap of faith to begin to let go of our son's pleasures because it's hooking us to this outer level of happiness. It's not a very deep happiness that we go for much of the time. And the Buddha points us to something more meaningful, deeper, truer than that. So we have a few minutes for... Questions or thoughts, comments? Yeah, I, what was coming in my mind was what you were kind of alluding to, especially the last 10 or 15 minutes about the different degrees. I mean, a concentrated mind, you can be addicted. I know I can be addicted to that one. Or you know, the, the, the good meditation yesterday I had. <clears throat> You know, um, I guess, I don't know, you can quote it, say it's better, but I guess it would be, I'd rather have the <laughs> a little addiction to the concentrated mind than some, than some of the other stuff I, I see in society and in myself. Absolutely. It's, it's pro- yeah. yeah. Um, and and also the, the, the benefit of that is that the mind that gets to the place where it can feel that pleasure it also can understand how the wanting gets in the way of that. You know, how the wanting for that very um, concentration actually is, the thing, is one of the things that gets in the way of the possibility of the concentration. And so the, the, the mind that can move into concentration has more of a capacity for seeing clearly. And so it begins to even, yes, so you know, the, the mind that's hooked out into sense pleasures is so scattered, is so um, busy trying to find its want, you know, how do I get the next satisfaction, that it's not able to really see, first of all, that that wanting's even happening and that it doesn't feel good. It's so deluded, it's so confused about where happiness is coming from. When we settle into concentration, there's much more of that possibility of being able to actually see that. 
And then we begin to recognize, oh yeah, when I want concentration, when it's like, where is that beautiful state from yesterday? They're struggling, they're suffering here, and we feel that. And so it begins to naturally lead us in the direction of release, of the deeper um, concentra- the deeper happiness of insight. So, yeah, go for the concentration. <laughs> yeah, and then notice where you suffer around it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, it comes to mind, um, it's a very complex issue about our society and the way we're, our system is set up. I mean, it's if, really if I'm complex. running a business and I'm selling widgets and I'm advertising out there, Absolutely. I'm going to appeal to these things. I'm not, and if, I, if we set up a society where people are sitting around doing yoga and meditation and watching their concentration, Capitalism mind, doesn't work very capitalism well. Capitalism is <laughs> not going to grow as much as <laughs> no. the way it's going now. And, and you just go on TV and just see all the appeals but, but to But all of pleasure. capitalism is based on, you know, this satisfaction of sense pleasure, really. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, yeah, behind you. Yeah, and I was just... Needs to be on. Do you have to push the button, I think? Um, I think so much about my kids. When just You know, I've heard this in various ways, but today it really just hit me that, um, especially I have two boys who play baseball, and everything is about did he score, did he this. And you know what? We live that, and it's yes. embedded in our household. And it's just so unhealthy to, to kind of constantly, oh, yay, he got a triple. Oh, you know, and if it's not, if he strikes out, oh, my God. I mean, the ups are, you know, the lows yes. are lows, and yes. the ups are ups. Yes. And it's just, I feel it really strongly now, especially as they get older, and playing, you know, pro ball and all that. But um, I just think this is a really important thing that that everybody should talk about. And it's almost like a mandate should happen, <laughs> you know, the education of. So anyway, it's just um, thank you. I think this is really strong. It's, uh, it's kind of subversive, this teaching in a way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And we need to stop, unfortunately. Yeah, it's 11. So thank you all.